Barbara, back in Hebrews 11. Don read to us a minute ago three verses, kind of short verses. I'm going to take them together as the three thoughts of our message today. The title is The Patriarch's Faith. I didn't say patriots. I'm not talking about a New England football team, not, not the patriots, but the patriarchs. But we have in this chapter 11, as we've often called the Bible's Hall of Fame, uh, a, three pictures hanging here that go by very quickly. Maybe you don't notice them in this Hall of Fame as, as you go by. Have you ever been to a Hall of Fame where they have all the pictures around the wall or around the room and, and so forth? Kind of interesting. Uh, I think, you know, of my childhood growing up in Ohio, there were three heroes of the faith, uh, heroes of the faith, I mean of sports that I grew up around. Uh, Jim Brown was a football star when I was a kid. Oscar Robertson was the basketball star in Cincinnati, by the way, when I was a kid. And Pete Rose was the baseball star. So, you know, I, I had uh, these stars that I kind of grew up with. Of course, human beings fail you, don't they? Uh, when I got to go to England a, a number of times, in the 500 years that we studied uh, in the history of England, three pictures that stood out to me were John Bunyan and uh, his ministry early in the 1600s, William Carey in the 1700s, and then uh, Charles Spurgeon in the 1800s. Uh, and uh, they were three great men that stood out there. Well, here we have uh, these three men, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, patriarchs uh, we call them, and uh, they span, uh, along with Abraham, a time of about 500 years, uh, at least from then down to Moses, uh, when their time uh, ends. Remember that the Bible uh, goes in 11 chapters from chapter 1 through chapter 11 uh, and covers a few thousand years. And then beginning in chapter 12 all the way to chapter 50, that is from the call of Abraham in chapter 12 all the way to Moses in, in, in chapter 50, you have this age of the patriarchs. We call the dispensation of promise. It spans about 500 years, about 2000 B.C. to 1500 B.C. But you have these great men. Uh, it begins with Abraham, and of course we've already talked about Abraham, and, and Hebrews 11 gives Abraham a lot of space here uh, in this chapter. But his children then, Isaac, and then his son, Jacob, and then his son, Joseph, uh, were patriarchs as well. They only get uh, a short verse, but these are important verses, and I hope that I can present them to you in a way that you see the significance of these. Remember that uh, though, though these verses seem obscure, they, they reveal to us something very important, and that is Old Testament faith, the faith of Abraham, their father or grandfather. And remember how we have talked uh, before, as a matter of fact, all the way back to message number one, that uh, being saved in the Old Testament was not as easy, not as clear as we see it today. Now, it was not by works, as they were trying to keep the law or do things, and, and all of these people mentioned in Hebrews 11 did something, but that's not why they were saved, because of what they did, of course. And yet, on the other hand, they couldn't always see everything you and I see. They couldn't see Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection as clearly as we see it. 
And so basically what we're told in, the, in this chapter is these people believed God in whatever way God revealed himself to them, and God saved them on the basis of the coming Messiah that he saw clearly. He knew the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, whether they could figure it all out in every detail or not. But if they had faith in God, then God saved them. And the greatest example of that is uh, Abraham. And uh, you go all the way back to Genesis 15, and uh, God is saying to Abraham, you know I'm going to bless you. I, I, am, I have promised you a land, a seed, and a blessing it's going to bless the whole world. Messiah is going to come and, and so forth. And Abraham still scratched his head and says, I don't see how you're going to do it. As a matter of fact, he says, uh, I don't, uh, you say I'm going to have a seed as the sand of the seashore. I don't even have a son yet. How can this happen? God comes to him in chapter 15 and says, trust me, Abraham, when I tell you I can do this for you and I can bless through you all of the world one day will be blessed, and even Messiah will come through your seed. And verse 6 says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. If you say it, Lord, I believe it. That kind of faith saved Abraham. And God, of course, knows that Jesus Christ is going to die on the cross and pay for Abraham's sins and everybody else's sins, uh, and uh, in, including... Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And so when we go back to the Abrahamic promise, remember I said it a minute ago, he promised him three things, a land, a seed, and a blessing. You read that in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. I'm going to give you the land of Israel. Your people will live there, and uh, while they are there, I'm going to give you a seed that will be the largest nation in the world, like the stars of heaven, like the sand of the seashore. And not only that, uh, I am going to then give you Messiah through that as well, but then I'm going to bless you, and it's through you, Abraham, that all nations will be blessed. Now, someday you and I are going to be standing in the kingdom of God with Jesus reigning in Jerusalem for a thousand years, and we are going to praise the Lord for the Abrahamic covenant, that God promised through Abraham a land where Jesus will be reigning, a seed through whom our Messiah came, and a blessing, the fact that you and I are all there. Someday we're going to praise the Lord for all of that. Now, faith is both easy and difficult for anyone. Faith is easy because faith is faith. God says, believe it, you believe it. Now, you and I have the great advantage that rather than trying to look forward and figuring out what God's going to do, we stand here and we look back and we see as a historical fact the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And God says, believe in that, you will be saved. But to everyone, belief is kind of difficult. And you know why? Because we don't want to receive, we want to give. We want to be able to say, I can do it. I can be good enough. I can do what, what I should, and therefore you'll have to save me because I'm so good. And the human nature wants to do it that way. And God keeps saying, no, it's by faith. It's not by your works. A person is finally saved when they've figured out that 
it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. And, and then he says, yes, I will give you eternal life because it's based on what I've done, not what you've done. Now, Abraham saw that, and Abraham saw it clearly. But what we're going to see in our three verses here this morning is that so did Jacob, or so did Isaac, and so did Jacob, and so did Joseph. As a matter of fact, they have the same kind of faith that Abraham has. And so in your outline, you have these three thoughts, and I'll try to develop them for us uh, this morning. So first of all, Isaac believed God concerning Abraham's blessing. Remember I told you the land, the seed, and the blessing? So point number one is, I think Isaac, what we see here is, he understood that blessing of God. Secondly, Jacob believed God concerning Abraham's seed. No, it's through this seed that, that Messiah will come. And then thirdly, Joseph understood about the land. Take my bones back to the land. Don't leave them here in Egypt. And so we're going to see their faith of all three of these men. So let's think about, first of all, Isaac. Now, he's the immediate son of Abraham, of course. So he's uh, the promised son uh, that Abraham was waiting for, that God said, trust me, you'll have this son even in your old age. And uh, so Isaac then is born, and, and we've seen that faith of, of Abraham. And now our verse says that he had two sons named Jacob and Esau, and he blessed them. Do you remember the story? Remember back in, in Genesis when this happened? Isaac has uh, his, his wife, Rebecca. Uh, they have twin boys, but Esau is delivered first, so he's the older, and Jacob is delivered second, so he's the youngest to, to the Jewish family. That was very important because the older son gets all the privileges. And all of the promises handed down go to the oldest son. And so here Isaac has two sons, and in his head he's thinking, I, Esau will be the one that all of these promises are going to come through. It'll come through Esau. He's the oldest. Now you remember that, that uh, Jacob, or, or excuse me, Isaac liked Esau because he was older, but because he was a hunter, remember? And Isaac liked his venison, and he liked it the way that, uh, that Esau prepared it. And so he kind of was uh, his favorite. Uh, Jacob, he was a mama's boy, you know. Uh, he was uh, always kind of doing his own thing, getting in trouble, and he was a farmer, okay, fine, but, uh, or, a, or a, I mean a, a shepherd. But but uh, he, he kind of liked Esau. Now, I want you to notice, if you turn the page to chapter 12 of Hebrews, that is, and look at verse 16, that's the way Esau saw them, but not the way God saw them. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. You know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. And so God is going to reject the older son and bless the younger. Now, you remember how that happened, right? That, J that Isaac is old and he can't see. He's blind. And so the sons are going to come, and, and uh, you know, Rebecca, uh, bless her heart, says... <laughs> 
Jacob, I really like you. You're a mama's boy, and that's why I like you. So here's what you do. You pretend to be Esau, and you uh, put hair on your arms, and you go in, and I'll fix the venison just like Esau fixes it. You give it to your father. He'll love it, and he'll bless you. He'll give you the blessing. And so what does Jacob do? He does it, and he tricks Esau, and Esau uh, blesses him. And then no sooner is he gone out with the blessing that Esau comes in and Jacob says, what? Who are you? As a matter of fact, uh, in, uh, in Genesis 27, 33, it's like this. When that happened, Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, who? Where is he that hath taken the venison and brought it to me? I have eaten all before thou camest, and have blessed him, and, yea, he will be blessed. I can't reverse it now. This is the way it was done. Now, what happened there? My point is here, and I think what this short verse, verse 20, is saying to us is, Isaac realized that what God had promised to his father Abraham was a promise, and it would happen. And so when he blessed Jacob, just as God had blessed Abraham, you might as well read in there, and Isaac believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. That's why this verse is here. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. And Esau, and by the way, because even afterwards he said, yes, and Esau will be a great country too. It's just not Messiah won't come through him. He'll have his own descendants. So here we have Isaac believing the same thing that his father Abraham believed. If God promised it, it will happen. I believe it, and it was counted to him for righteousness. You know, Isaac was a good man, I think. When, when you look at these patriarchs, of all of them, uh, at least of these three, I think Isaac was the most faithful of all of them. Uh, he, you remember how he waited for his wife as the servant went back to uh, the homeland and didn't take a wife of the Gentiles of the, that were in the land in those days, went back and got Rebekah and brought her back, and he married Rebekah. It showed his faith in honoring God in those things. And you remember also that of all of these men, including Abraham, Isaac never left the promised land. Now, God had promised them, this is the land I will give you. Stay in it and trust me for it. Abraham left it and came back. Jacob left and came back. Joseph left and didn't come back till he was dead. But Isaac never left the land. Isaac was a, he was a good man, uh, I think. But, you know, good people have to understand that salvation is still by faith. Good people want to work. Good people want to say, I'm good enough to be saved. You know, I'm the best of all of this lot after all. I've never failed you, Lord. I've always done what I thought was right. Surely I'm safe. Surely I'm acceptable in your sight. And even Isaac had to learn, that's not the way you get saved. You believe me and it will be counted to you for righteousness. It's not by works, but it's by faith. And they have to come like everyone else. One of the, didn't Jesus say, you know, it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven? Because a rich man has done well in this life. A rich man has done a lot of good things. He's gotten ahead. He's been uh, successful and all the rest. And he wants to say before God, see, I'm, 
I'm a real prize for you to have. I, you know, you're, you're glad to have me. And, and, and they have to understand they come the same way as the poor sinner because we are poor sinners. When I pastored in, uh, in Colorado, we had a, a fellow who was very well-to-do come to the church. And uh, he started coming because he had married a missionary's daughter and then their marriage did not work out and ended in divorce, and this had been quite a few years before I knew them. I knew the missionary family, but I didn't know them. And so here is this guy's name is Al, Al Parker. Al is a Jewish fellow from an Ivy League school back east who went out to Colorado and he bought water rights. When you buy water rights in a land like Colorado, you own the best of the land. And he made a million, he became a millionaire because of it. And uh, Al just all of a sudden one day showed up at our church and started, started coming and listening. And uh, when I met him and talked to him, I, I kind of found out about his background. Oh, and the reason why he came to our church is because that missionary family of his former wife had come to our church at some time before. So Al's coming, and I'm thinking, this guy, you know, he's a rich guy. He's kind of a proud guy. Uh, he's got everything that he wants. Makes no profession of being saved, as far as I know. And, and so I, I was amazed that he kept coming to our church. Well, one day, during the week, on a weekday, he, he came into the office. He, he came, pulled up, came into the office, and he said, I think he called me pastor. He said, I want to tell you something. I said, oh, what's that? He said, I accepted Christ as my Savior today. <laughs> and I said, you did? He said, I was sitting there on my back porch looking out over his 50-some acres up in the mountains or whatever it was. And he said, I realized that that's not going to save me. I have to come to Christ by faith like you've been saying. And so I bowed my head on my back porch and said, I need to be saved. I baptized Al in our baptistry there, too. And he's still, he's still a friend. He's an odd guy, but he's still a friend. He's <laughs> a good guy. But, you know, that's kind of, I think, like Isaac was. I, I have everything. I've been faithful. I, you know, I'm a good fella. But he had to realize that's not what saves you. It's your faith. And so when he blessed Jacob and said, no, this is what God has said. Sorry, it cannot be reversed. It was counted to him for righteousness. Secondly, we have the story then of, of Jacob, his son. So we're told in verse 21, by faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped leaning upon the top of his staff. Now Jacob then, remember, uh, lived in the land and he went north uh, and worked for Laban and uh, uh, earned his, uh, both Leah and, and uh, Rachel. But Rachel's the one that he loved. And then he had those, he had those 12 children who, uh, when God changed Jacob's name to Israel, then the children of Israel are really Jacob's 12 children. One of them was Joseph a child of his old age. So you remember the story. Joseph is sold into uh, uh, to slavery. He's taken down to Egypt, but he does very well in Egypt. As a matter of fact, when the famine comes and hits all of the lands, uh, they have food down in Egypt because of Joseph. And so you remember that story, how the brethren go down there and buy corn from 
from Joseph, and they don't even know he's Joseph. They think he's dead. Later, he reveals himself, and sure enough, he's alive. So Joseph says, what I want you to do is go back and get your father Jacob and bring him and all the family down here to Egypt, live here, and God will take care of us, which is what they do. So even against the promise of the land, Joseph and Jacob and all their family uh, end up down in Egypt, uh, and they both live there till they die. As a matter of fact, they live there for 450 years until Moses is, is uh, born. So here they are down in Egypt, and uh, Jacob is going to die. Now, he was 130 years old when uh, he came to the land, and 147 when he died. Not, not as old as the older uh, patriarchs like Methuselah, but still pretty, pretty old. And even Pharaoh says, how old are you? <laughs> and he tells him, and he says, that's pretty old. Well, he's about to die, and he's going to bless the, the children of, of Joseph. Uh, or excuse me, of uh, his children, Jacob, and they're the 12 uh, children of Israel. Well, in Joseph, his youngest, Joseph, when he's been down in Egypt, has had two sons by an Egyptian wife. He calls them Ephraim and Manasseh, or I should say Manasseh, the older, and then Ephraim. And so here's Jacob, and he's leaning upon his staff. He's pretty, uh, he's pretty old. As a matter of fact, the word staff here can also mean bedpost. And he's leaning on his bedpost, uh, propping himself up one last time. And uh, here comes Judah, and here comes Reuben, and here comes Levi, and here come all of the children by. And you, you read about this in Genesis. He, he has a little story about each one, and he blesses each one in his own way. And it com so here comes Joseph. And Joseph's bringing Manasseh and Ephraim. Now, Manasseh's the older. So Manasseh's supposed to get the blessing. Not Ephraim, because he's the younger. So Isaac, or excuse me, Jacob at this time can't see very well like his father couldn't either. So he puts his right hand, you're going to put your right hand on the one that you're going to bless. Your left hand on the lesser one. So knowing that Manasseh is the older, Joseph guides his son up there and puts Jacob's right hand upon Manasseh and his left hand over here on Ephraim. And uh, God kind of, I think, must have revealed to Jacob at that moment, this is not how I'm going to do it. You remember how younger ones get blessed, don't you, Jacob? So switch your hands. And so he goes like this, and he puts his right hand rather over here on Ephraim and his left hand on the older. And, as, and Joseph sees it. Oh, no, my father. <laughs> no, no, you can't do that because he's the older one. And, and Jacob rather says, no, this is what has to be done. This is what God wants. Uh, he, as a matter of fact, in, in uh, Genesis, he says, I know, I know. Remember that? I know, I know. But this is what God wants. Now, what is Jacob doing there? He's expressing his faith again, the same kind of faith that Abraham has. And that's why the writer of Hebrews puts that part of the story in our verse. He blessed him at that point and said, no, this is what God has showed me. I believe him, even though... Manasseh is the older one. Ephraim is the one that's, that I'm going to bless. He believed God. It was counted to him for righteousness. That's why we have this verse here. And by the way, 
Ephraim really did become the, the star, if you will, of these children. As a matter of fact, Ephraim, when they camped in that cross-shaped way and the tribes were east and west, north and south, Ephraim was the foremost standard on the west side and Manasseh was underneath him. When they went into the land, often the whole ten tribes of the northern half are often called the tribes of Ephraim because he had the largest amount of land and uh, he was the foremost tribe. Joshua came from the tribe of Ephraim. And so God truly did bless Ephraim over Manasseh. Jacob had to realize that, and he did, and uh, he blessed him for it. Again, leaning upon his staff, or maybe that means the bedpost, because that word is often de describes both of, of those kinds of things. Now, I, you know, I was watching not the Billy Graham funeral, but the when they had him laid in state in the in the uh, uh, rotunda, and uh, I think it was either Orrin Hatch or one of the older uh, uh, senators. Uh, he had a cane with him, and of course they were standing up the whole time, and it was getting long, and, and they showed a picture of him, and he had his chin on his cane like this, and he was leaning on that thing about to fall over because it was a long time to stand up, and I thought I'd been studying this. Uh, that's probably what Jacob looked like, <laughs> you know, leaning on his, on his staff. But you know what? Jacob was a rascal, wasn't he? When you think about his life, I, I mean, he, he tricked his father... <laughs> And got the blessing. He tricked his father-in-law, Laban, and got the herd of, of, of cattle. Then he, he tricks Joseph by switching the hands like this again. I mean, he's always kind of a rascal doing things like that. But we still say the children of Israel, which means the children of Jacob. We don't even say the children of Abraham necessarily, though we understand that, or of Isaac. We say the children of Israel, the children of Jacob. And, and this man then not only got that blessing, he wrestled with an angel one night. He saw the ladder of God extended up into heaven with the angels coming and going on that ladder. I mean, such a rascal, but God blessed him in these kinds of ways. Remember, folks, that Jesus even said, I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Aren't you glad that God said, I don't care what you've done, how big a rascal you've been, what kind of sin you have in your, in your background, I can save you like I saved Jacob and like I saved all other sinners. And so Jacob had to realize that, and when he did, he said, no, you better trust God. What he says is right. And a sinner can come and, you, you know, they, they looked at Jesus and even criticized him because, because he spent time with publicans and sinners. And you know why? Because they received his message. <laughs> he didn't spend so much time with Pharisees because every time he was around them, they rejected him. And so he said, you know, the righteous, the self-righteous don't want repentance, but the sinners know they need it. When you came to the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you came that way, didn't you? You came saying, I can't save myself. There's nothing I can do. Uh, I'm a sinner as big as anybody else in this world, and you're going to have to save me by your grace, and God did it. So that's Jacob. So Isaac and Jacob. And then a last statement is about Joseph here real quickly. And I say he, he believed God concerning this land 
promise, as God promised to Abraham land, seed, and blessing, uh, we see especially here that it says, by faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel, when, whenever you leave Egypt, in other words, and gave commandment concerning his bones. Don't leave my bones here in Egypt. I don't want to be buried here. I want to be in the promised land. Now, God brought uh, Jacob down to Egypt, and God brought Joseph, of course, uh, as a captive, as a slave, and, and yet God blessed him, and you know the story how he became very powerful. Uh, and when Jacob came down, Jacob also uh, did not want his bones to be left in Egypt. So he said, when I die, take me back and bury me by Abraham and Sarah where I belong. And so when he died, Joseph said to Pharaoh, I got to leave and take my father back and bury him in the land of Israel. And he said, go do it. So he, all of them went and they went back for a big funeral. Jacob was buried there. And then Joseph comes to the end of his life and, uh, and here's, what he's, here's what he said in Genesis 50, 25. He said, Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry my bones from hence. You're not going to leave me here. And he, he was successful. I mean, they, think of the funeral they would have had for Joseph and uh, the building they would have, maybe the pyramid, I don't know, that they would have put Joseph in. I mean, he... He was a great man. He said, no, you take me back and bury me in that cave where my, where my ancestors are buried. So in Exodus 13, 19, when, the, when they are leaving Egypt and going across the Red Sea and all of that, in Exodus 13, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you. You shall carry my bones away from hence. Then... You get all the way up to the times of, uh, of uh, Joshua going into the land in the book of Joshua. And in chapter 24 of Joshua, 24:32, it says, And the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of the land of Egypt, they buried in Shechem. They carried those bones all over with them. You know, uh, who's that in that box? Well, that's Joseph. You know, what are you doing with Joseph? We're taking it. I, I could tell you stories, but you don't want to hear it. Of uh, people who were carried around in boxes uh, waiting for a place to land, including my grandma. But we finally got her there. So, so what, it, what, is, what is Joseph realizing when he gives this command and says, don't leave me here, take my bones back? He is understanding what God said to his father Abraham and how Abraham believed it and he was counted to him for righteousness and he's saying, I believe the same promising it was counted to Joseph for righteousness too. That's why we have this verse here in Hebrews 11 and that's why we have verse 20 about Isaac and that's why we have verse 21 about Joseph and the short statement, or Jacob, and then verse 22 about Joseph because they understood what God had said, and they believed it by faith. So that's a great thing. We're waiting for that promise, by the way. 
God's still going to come and restore the land of Israel and give these things to the children of Abraham. And you and I are going to be blessed in that kingdom of God. We're going to live and reign with Christ for a thousand years. Uh, we're waiting for it too. It's kind of like our bones are being carried around. <laughs> we, we put some of our bones over here and some of our bones over here and some of them over there. But there's coming a day when God's going to gather them all up and put us in that land. And I believe that promise, and I know you do too. You know, there was, a, there was a New Testament, Joseph, his name was Onesimus, <laughs> remember? Onesimus ran away, and uh, he went to Rome, and while he was at Rome, somehow he came in contact with Paul, who was a prisoner, and Paul led him to Christ. And, and he says to him, you know, perhaps that, uh, uh, he says back to Philemon, perhaps he left for a season that you might receive him forever. And not as a servant, but as a brother beloved. And so uh, he didn't know that God brought him to Rome for the purpose of saving his soul and blessing him and Philemon. Just like Joseph didn't realize that, but he realized it later. I thought it was a great thing. We heard our missionary Tim Smith a couple weeks ago. Uh, and remember, remember the picture he had of the imam who got saved? And that little fellow was, was sitting there, and, and Tim had a picture of him speaking back to his Muslim uh, friends and whoever was there about how once he realized that salvation was in Jesus Christ, and he looks at his own faith, the Muslim faith, and says, there's no salvation there. There's no, there's no Savior. There's no redemption in it. What, how do you get to heaven? By killing other people? I mean, what, how do you do this? And then he hears the message of Jesus Christ through a simple gospel presentation that only Tim could do to those uh, uh, Muslim people. And he received the Lord, and immediately he's teaching his own people about how to receive Christ. It reminds you of Paul, you know, getting saved in Damascus, and immediately he's out there preaching the Christ that he was persecuting. I thought it was a great picture. I loved it uh, when Tim showed us that. And that's the faith that we've all had, whether it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, or you and me. Now, you and I have such an advantage even over those people, folks. You heard the gospel, and it pointed you right back again to that historical fact. You see that? Jesus died for you. You see that, that he was the son of God. You see that who he was and that he could take away your sin. You know, just yesterday, there was a knock on our front door, I went to the door, and there's this man standing there with a piece of literature. <laughs> he handed it to me, and I looked at it and realized he was Jehovah's Witness, uh, and they are going to have an Easter service, and the title of their little uh, brochure thing was, Come and See Who Jesus Really Was. And I said to the man, I said, well, <laughs> first of all, I, I get to do this, you don't. I get to say, first of all, I want to tell you I'm a Baptist preacher, <laughs> And, the, and you can see on their face, oh, no, you know, maybe I'll go to the next door or whatever. But he said, well, what do you believe about Jesus? And I got to say, by the way, my, why does this happen? My phone is ringing in my pocket as I'm talking to him. But anyway, I said, Jesus Christ is God in the flesh who was able to die for our sins and take away our sins. Jesus Christ, I said, is not Michael the archangel born into Jesus, somebody who was crucified, or I mean uh, created, because I said uh, an angel will never be able to take away your sin. And he just kind of looked at me, 
and he was glad my phone was ringing, and he just said, thank you very much, and walked away. You and I know who Jesus is. You and I know uh, that he's God in the flesh. It had to be him in order to take away our sins. I hope you'll come back tonight and hear my message on the seven-sealed book and what that symbolizes to us from the book of Revelation because it symbolizes much of that. But you saw it when somebody presented this gospel message to you, and you believed it. I believe that's true, and I believe I need it in my heart. And it was counted to you for righteousness, that faith that you heard through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Say it again and again, folks. Say it to everybody who needs it. The Holy Spirit can use this message he has throughout the centuries to bring people to the Lord. I hope that you will, and I hope that you know the Lord as your Savior as you've trusted in him too. Now, stand with me if you will, and let's stand and let's bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer, and then let's sing a song that will open our hearts to the Lord and what he wants us to do. Father, thank you for... Uh, the book of Hebrews, this 11th chapter, and these three verses, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, that we see had the same faith as their father Abraham. And when they had that faith, it was counted to them for righteousness. And Father, we rejoice in that because we know when we heard the message that we can see so clearly and we believed it and accepted it for ourselves, it was counted to us for the, that righteousness too the righteousness of Christ in us. And so, Father, we thank you for the message of salvation. We thank you that we see it throughout the ages. By faith, we can come to you. I pray, Father, that that message would go out into all hearts, and whoever hears this message that doesn't know Christ as Savior might accept them, even today, and let it be counted to him for righteousness. So, Father, bless in this time too. speak to our hearts. There's, there's many ways that we need to be moved by your spirit, even to be a better witness, a, a clearer witness of the faith that we have and to live it and to speak it. And so, Father, bless us too as we sing and as we are before you in prayer. Speak to our hearts in the way that we need, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We always have our